see if the mic's working. Are we good? Woohoo! We went to the lapel mic because I beat this thing up. The other times I've taught, I've been fearful I'm going to knock that thing off the pulpit. But um, if you would be seated with me, and we're going to um, start in Luke chapter 1, verse 1. We'll be going through the Gospel of Luke. And so that's where we'll be, going through uh, verse by verse through the book of Luke. Um, if you need any Bibles or don't have a Bible, Tom there has them for you, so you'll be following along. Um, it's been, uh, it was kind of interesting, we, when me and Pat sat down and talked, uh, and we're talking at lunch and sharing things, and I was talking about the possibility of, and, and looking at transitioning out, and maybe that being a year, and, and things, and, and he goes, you know, are you sure you're called to be a senior pastor? And my response would be, yes, but that's like a year and a half of Bible studies planning a church, not in two months. <laughs> so I was like, okay, Lord, I'm going to continue to obey, and um, you know, you kind of, a lot of concerns with running the business and study time and everything else, but it's amazing this last week has been such just a, a joy to sit down and look at the Word of God and just be speaking through it and, and just excited um, to share um, just the things God's been uh, speaking to me through His Word with you guys this morning. And so we're going to be going through the Gospel of Luke and, and um, kind of looking at if there was uh, a title, which I've never been into titles, but I'm running into titles now. But uh, God remembers his oaths. God remembers his promises, his oaths. Um, and when we look at the synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, now Matthew was of the tribe of Levi, but he was a tax collector, so he's kind of in rebellion. But his Gospel is really speaks of Jesus, the Lion of Judah, and fulfilling the prophecies of the Old Testament. He comes into him at that angle, and... Um, so you, you see that as he goes through, and, and the, it's not in chronological order. We're very Western culture. When we tell a story, this happened, that happened. Where Matthew, very much in more uh, the, the Hebrew mind, kind of tells subject by subject. It's like if you're explaining somebody and you're going to talk about how good they're at sports, you talk about all the sports they did, even golf and you know when they wrestled in high school. So that's kind of how Matthew's gospel is laid out. Mark's gospel is more directed to the Romans and, and the slaves, which at the time there's estimated that were six million slaves at that time in, in that area. And so it's more directed to those. And, and you really see Christ the servant, the king who came to serve. And, it, and he's really kind of like fast moving. You know, it's from this scene to the next scene, and he's moving along. And then we get to the gospel of Luke, and he focuses on Christ the man, where Jesus was fully God and fully man. And it's interesting because Luke isn't a first-hand account like Matthew, Mark, and, and John. He he's, goes through and interviews everybody from the beginning. And he's definitely more of that Western training. He, he comes in and, and goes through it more chronologically, very ordered, very um, meticulous on details. He th This gospel between... Acts and Luke has like 312 Greek words that we don't find anywhere else in the scripture. That's unique to Luke, who he is and his education. Like 50 medical terms, very precise medical terms. You know, talking about healing a man and he's talking about the exact bone in the ankle. You know, so he's very detailed in those things. And Paul was, as he was traveling along, Luke came alongside him. So Luke ended up a traveling companion of Paul at a point. I think about Troas, probably Acts 6 in the scripture. 
And so he was traveling, and, and you can see it go from they to we, and as, as the scriptures laid out. And so Luke was a doctor. He was a Gentile. He's a Gentile. Out of all the writers in the New Testament, he's a Gentile. Depending on your view of who wrote Hebrews, he wrote the majority of the New Testament. You know, and so he goes through and he chronologically lays it out. There's like 30-some accounts that Luke has in his gospel that we don't have in the other gospels. And, um, and we're, we're going to see how God is going to answer prayer in his time, how he's faithful to those things. And, and Luke brings that out. And Luke really focuses on the man. You talk about um, an interesting thought for a doctor. You have a human being in flesh that's God, right? That's, that's got to intrigue you if you're a man of science and like Luke. And so he really focuses on that. When we get to the Gospel of John, which is vastly different, written a lot later, he focuses on the, de the deity of Christ, right? So you have Matthew, he, he does the Levitical heritage, priesthood of Jesus. Luke does the man, the DNA of his heritage and right and how he fulfills the prophecy. And Mark does, just skips that, he gets to the point, and John goes back to his heavenly deity. So we see in John, you have the, the deity of Christ, Christ God. And so it's kind of interesting, some of the first symbols of the original church, when you, when you talk about a cross or the dove or these things, as we're kind of redoing some of the sign stuff, the first symbols of the first church, you had the exos, the fish, which they recognized. But more common than that, you had a tapestry, and I was looking at some of them, they didn't know, they had no artistic, or their artistic skills, a very different taste than us. You know, but how do you explain it? But you have the cherubim in, in Revelation, the four cherubim, and one's a lion, has a head of a lion, right, Matthew. Okay, then you have the ox, the servant, which would be Mark. And then you have the head of a man, so we look at Luke, we see that symbolism there. And then you have the head of the eagle, which is speaking of his, his deity and, and of Christ. So it's kind of interesting in that sense. And um, so look with me. Um, the, the first four verses of Luke is, it, um, even listening to the guys and even Dave Goose, it goes, um, this is like classic, uh, very technical Greek. This is real high speech, I mean, very great vocabulary for this first four run-on sentence. And it really establishes his, like, credentials, right? After that, it drops down to the Greek of the common people. So Luke kind of puts his, um, if you would, qualifications as somebody to interview and to study these things and to put together this account in these first four verses. And so it's kind of interesting as we look at it. So let's go and look with me at verse 1. It says, in, in as much as many have taken it in hand to set in order the narrative of those things which have been fulfilled among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word delivered them to us. So many before him. So before this time, Mark had written down the gospel. The gospel was Mark out there. But other people were actually writing down and recording accounts of Jesus that we don't have in the gospel. God didn't inspire them. God did not give them to us. And it's interesting when you look, you've got very, four very vastly different men and perspectives of this thing. And I, I kind of, 
it's interesting when people, you start reading these things and you get these debates and inspired, not inspired, where this come from, and then you see clearly this man's personality, his training is in the scripture. It shows up in the words he used, but it's totally inspired by God's word. And people are, have, a, have a battle with that. Well, Will, is it, is it really, and this and that. And I'm thinking, okay, so if you believe God created the whole universe, you know, created Luke in his mother's womb, and you have a problem with if he inspired the word of God. And No, he knew exactly what he was getting. He knew exactly the men he was using to write these things down. You know, it's like when people go, yeah, I believe God created the earth, but, you know, it was probably a localized flood, and it was just, no, it says he flooded the world, he flooded the world. I mean, he couldn't have done that? He's God. It's kind of funny when you look at those things. So, I, you know, we truly believe this is the whole Bible. The whole Bible is inspired by the word of God and, and written by men, penned by men, but inspired by the word of God. And so, and directed by God and speaks into our lives. And, and we, more importantly, when you study the word, it speaks to you. It's alive. It's pretty clear to see. I mean, you get into the canon and scripture and all those things. Well, it speaks to you. It's not hard to, to, to say, yeah, that's definitely inspired by the Word of God. God's using it. And so Luke comes at it differently. He's an eyewitness. He interviews. Now, when I tell a story, I leave out details. And I might add some details. <laughs> you know, your memory, your, your memory starts to go. I mean, you know when you're around like your siblings and you told a story to your friends ten times and you're telling it now and you have a sibling and they're correcting you? Or a wife? Like, honey... You know, she's, she, my wife doesn't correct me. She just gives me that look. Like, you sure? That's not how I remember it. And, but when somebody's interviewing you, like an interrogation, they're asking, what was that? Okay, where it was? And you'll see these details in Luke. Where was the angel standing? Well, he was standing on the right side, and, and this was going on. And so sometimes you actually get a better account when somebody's asking you questions after the story. Like, okay, so wait a minute. That sounds weird. How, how did that actually work? I mean, what was going on? And so we have these details in Luke that we don't have in the rest. Compared to like the book of John. The book of John, he, he only uses a vocabulary of about 600 words. And I'm not going to pick on John because I probably couldn't do that to begin with. <laughs> Nonetheless, it is still inspired by God. It's still amazing how God uses those words as you go through and you study them. And, um, you know, me, I... I, I could write down probably 6,000 words and none of them would be legible, readable, and they'd have to be interpreted by my wife. I'll, I'll, I, I, sometimes I send out a text and be like, honey, is that English? Because I can read, I leave out stuff. I'm, I'm real bad. So, it, you know, it's pretty amazing. But even the Bible, when you get to the canon of Scripture, um, even just standing, we have so many copies of the New Testament and, and, and the Scriptures regarding to it. And... It's amazing. You know, you think of, okay, we have more proof that Jesus Christ in his life than Plato. That's good. He's older. Okay. We have more proof about the person of Jesus Christ and how he lived than George Washington. Now, that's pretty amazing when you think about it. It's like, anybody in here disagree with George Washington was rural? I mean, we, we know more about Jesus Christ, how he lived his life, the fact that he was a real man than George Washington. That's impressive. That's amazing to see how God has preserved his word and that we can trust in it and rely on it. And so in verse 3, he continues on and he says, It seems good to me also, having had a perfect understanding of all things from the very beginning, to write to you an orderly account, most excellent Theophilus. Now this word perfect is acrobos. It's um, like in Revelations it says, uh, 
works, walk circumspectly. That's the same word, the acrobos. It, it is to be on target or like to walk like we get acrobat, like to walk a tightrope, to be on. You can't miss if you're an acrobat. It turns out bad. You have to be on point. You have to be on target. And he says, I have a perfect understanding. I've went through and I've studied this. I've interviewed them. I've got all the accounts and I have a perfect understanding of this. To this man, Theophilus, which means God lover. Those two words we have, theos, the study of God, and lover. Um, and so you have this person, Theophilus, and some people go, well, there's a lot of different opinions of who this guy is. They say, well, that's the church in general. Well, he has a title, most excellent. And the only time we have that title given is for governors, not knights, not people of it, but people in Rome that were governors over stuff. Some people go, well, Luke, being a doctor, would have been trained. Back then, you had your personal doctor. You would have someone you saw as a bright child sent off to school, be trained for your family physician. And so some think, well, Theophilus is a man who got saved, allowed Luke to go and travel with, um, uh, Luke allowed to go travel with uh, Paul on his journeys. Um, another thought, which I, I kind of agree with, um, I think David Gusick goes here too, is that Theophilus was somebody in the Roman government who was investigating Paul. Here, Paul's going to Rome on charges. I need an account of what's going on. We're going to bring this case before him. And so he goes to put together an account of what happened to bring forth. And, and when you kind of see out the scriptures and the way Paul lays it out, it's like he lays all, these, all the people and each step out as witnesses. Here are the witnesses of what we've seen. Here's a witness of what he did. Here's a witness again. And so there's that thought on it. But either way, it's inspired to God and it's written to us. You know, and so as we sit here and we look at the scripture and we go through it and we'll see how Paul brings out these witnesses before us that we would know and, and that this perfect understanding. And in verse 4 it says that you may know the certainty of those things in which you were instructed. Certainty. It's like solid footing where you're not going to, your foot can't move. It's solid. I, you know, you think of being able to stand on something solid in this world. You see all, you know, this week you see stuff on Facebook and you can't believe a single story. Right? It's like, you don't know where that's coming from, somebody's point of view. I mean, it's like you don't even want to make a comment most of the time because give it a week and it's probably wrong, you know? And so a solid footing, and, and that's important. I mean, I grew up in the hills. I can't you know, go climbing up mountains and stuff. Finding a rock that had solid footing compared to one that didn't, it can be life and death. And so we can have this certainty, certainty in the scriptures. And it says these things that he was already instructed in. So Theophilus already had some instruction on this. And so Luke was sent out or went out to make a complete, thorough report to report back to him. You know, in uh, 2 Timothy uh, 3, 16, 17 says, all scripture is inspired by the word of God, is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, that the man of God might be fully equipped for every good work. And so he lays this out in this first statement, very beautifully written in the, in the original uh, Greek, and I'm going to have to trust people on that because I don't read, read originally Greek. I've, I'd like to. But um, I know a little, studied a little, and know enough to know I can't read it. So I'm working on English still, and we'll move on to Greek another day. But, um, but now we start to look at this, this couple. We see 
this couple and where they begin. And, and, and literally Luke picks it up right at the Old Testament. There's been 400 years of silence. And then we're going to see this couple, Zacharias and Elizabeth. And Zacharias and Elizabeth, let's look at verse 4. It says, In those days of Herod, the king of Judah, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abishai, his wife was the daughter of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. So we have in the days of Herod. So here's a, a, a time marker in the scripture, right? We have Herod, which I don't even really want to talk about this guy. This guy is sick. He's twisted. He's evil. He, he's, 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 um, he's just, yeah, there, there's not too many men that have walked on the planet that are as twisted as this man was. And, and he's, through his political cunning, has become king of the Jews, has, has got himself into that position. And, and it was said that he was, it was safer to be his pig, historians said, than his son. He would kill his own kids. He ends up killing all the babies in Nazareth. He was so worried about somebody taking over his power, so insecure, he'd kill his own children. But he'd follow the Jewish customs and restrain from pigs, not eat those. So that's where that term comes from. And it's interesting that when you sit here and you look, you have a totally wicked man. You have a priesthood that's corrupt. They're there to bless themselves and make money. Then you have the other side of the priesthood that are just about personal holiness and look at me. To live in that time, Christ has been, the, the word has been quiet for 400 years. You have a, a corrupt ruler that's over you and, and, and his son of Esau, he's an Edomite nonetheless, you know, this wicked man ruling there, the, the, the priesthood's corrupt and, and just, you know, where do you go? Where do you go to worship? Where do you go as their freedom, you know? And I guarantee you Satan knew the Old Testament. There's prophecies when the Christ is coming. So Israel, the nation has no king for 600 years. No king. Oh, prophecy's about ready to come true. Now we have a king of the Jews, and he's twisted as heck. The whole priesthood's a mess. You know, Satan knew the timing was coming. Doesn't slow God down from what he's planning to do regardless. And so quiet for 400 years and a certain priest, a certain priest. At this time, it's estimated between 20,000 and 22,000 priests were there. 20, so here you got this one priest, a certain priest, right? And so, and you got Zechariah and Elizabeth. Zechariah, the word means Jehovah remembers. And Elizabeth is God's oath. God keeps his oath. So we have, put them together, you got Jehovah remembers God's oath. And what a, what a perfect name for what God's going to do here. And verse 6 it says, and, when they, er, and they were both righteous before God, walking in the commandments and the ordinances of the Lord blameless. Both righteous. So here you have this whole nation corrupt, but you have both of them, they're righteous unknown by the men and women around them or, or the government or, or anybody in power, but known by God and God calling them blameless, you know? And so you have them, you have this awesome couple, that, they're sitting there and you think, wow, what a blessing, what an awesome thing. And then you see the nation around them that's a mess. You go, how do, how do those two exist? 
and, and it's hard when you look out over stuff. I mean, I've been talking with Phil, and we, we, we desire to do worship songs that are biblical, not just sound good, not are just popular, you know. And you start looking at this stuff, and you go, what? Jesus' love's like a hurricane? That doesn't sound like the God I know. I mean, I don't know how that plays in Louisiana and places, but a hurricane ain't good. And it's popular, it's out there. So we really pray and slow down and look at these things, and it's scary to see how much the world has influenced the church. And you sit down and you look at it, and you hear these things going on, and you go, what, they're allowing what? They, they, wow, how, how do we, you know, you know, and I kind of, you kind of get, you know, you get older, and you go back, oh, I remember, you know, Delirious, some of you guys, be other bands and stuff, where these godly bands came out with good worship songs, and it seems like it's hard to find any anymore, you know? Where the heart's right, where, where it's biblical. And so, you know, in, in one of our things, in, the, in this thing, and I love just the, the church here, the body here. I mean, it's so hard to think about moving on. But um, somebody came up to me and go, you know what I love about this fellowship? It doesn't do church. It is the church. It goes out, and we're doing and serving. And it's like, yeah, that's right. And uh, it just rings boo. And, and, and to be in a time and be walking and, and to be under the ordinances of God, to be blameless before God, and for us to be desiring, praying, and seeking that, and desiring those things to be prevalent in our life, that we would be a light, that we'd be able to be used mightily of God. And so what an awesome couple. And then in verse 7 it says, But they had no children, because Elizabeth was barren, well, at least until that point. And then they were both well advanced in years. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's sad when, when, you know, this culture especially, to not have a child was, you're thought to be cursed of God, looked down upon. You know, this was your welfare. This is how you would survive when you got older. You know, it, it was a huge thing, especially upon a woman, not, not to be having a child. And people would look at you like you're spiritually lower. You, you, something, something's off where God hasn't allowed this. You know, and you know, my wife struggles with her health and things, and and you think, wow, man, they're blameless and all this stuff. So was seemed like they had enough faith. Maybe they didn't pray in the right name of Jesus or something. I don't know, right? You get all these crazy theories. And no, God sometimes delays things. You can pray about stuff for years. And we're going to see it again and again in the scripture. He delays things. He sometimes delays things when you think they're impossible. The term here as uh, well advanced in years, you kind of had... Um, Three, three, you see three different kind of older age groups in the Bible, okay? You have old age, which usually meant 65 and older, okay, or 65 to about 70, okay? And then you had 70, and, and it, the term is like a, a lowered head. Oh, you know, such and such had a lowered head, so you know they're at least 70. Well advanced means 80, okay, 80 plus. So not having a child, this is probably off their table. They're not praying for this anymore. You know, that time has passed, they've figured in their life. And just keep in mind, who, what did Luke say, the doctor, who's really into these things to know the details? Both of them were well advanced. Just keep that in mind for later. Okay, verse 8. And so it was that while he was serving as the priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense. And when he went into the temple of the Lord... So, at this time, there were so many priests, it was like a lottery. So there's so many to go in and serve. This is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. 
as a priest, to be able to go in and enter into the temple and offer incense. And so when he entered in, you would have two priests that would serve next to him. One would go to the, the sacrifice altar, grab the hot coals. The other one would bring the incense and bring them in up to the table of incense right in front of the veil. And right there, they would, he, they would then back out and he would put the coals and the incense together and the smoke would begin to raise. And when the smoke raised, the people outside could see the smoke coming out the top. They knew the prayers were being offered for the people. And so he has this opportunity to come in and pray. And they had it down. They had a very strict pattern. We actually have another text, what they were to pray for. You're supposed to go in there, get it done, and get out. The people of Israel, you will see, are hanging outside waiting to see the results of this because it's a bad day if that priest dies. It means God's upset. We're not going to work the rest of the day. We've got to figure some things out. We're going to have to do some sacrifices. So this was an important thing, but at the same time, if you spend all day in there a long time, hey, i got things to go do. There's a football game out after church now. I mean, i got things to go do. So they were supposed to, what they were praying for was supposed to be really simple. They're supposed to pray for the nation of Israel and pray for the coming of the Messiah. And so, as we see... Zechariah go in there and verse 10 it says and the whole multitude of the people were praying outside in the hour of incense so they're out there praying they're out there waiting to see if everything's okay and after the prayer he would come outside and then the priest would give a, a benediction like in um, number six you know and so he would lay it out may the Lord's peace be upon you and and go through you know, maybe sun rest on you. I don't know it all by heart. But anyways, it's there. And um, I used to have a loving pastor. I always said that then in the service. And uh, anyways, but so he'd come out and give that benediction. So that's what they're, wa they're waiting for. And so you can imagine, Zachariah, you get this opportunity to go in. Would you be talking to the guys that did it before? So what was it like when I went in there? You go in there and you definitely don't want to get anything wrong. I mean, God stroked people dead for sin and everything else. You want to make sure you're ducks in a row, right? And, and so you go in there, and so this excitement, and, you know, everyone kind of, you know, it's conjecture, so it's, yeah, he probably wasn't praying for a child at that point. And you can kind of see things, his response later in Scripture, that, that was done. But I wonder, you know, because I wonder if, if you're, you know, 82, and you win the lottery, how much if you would have gone, man, I wish I could have won this, you know, back in my 20s, you know. Here I'm going before God where I could maybe just slip a little prayer in. Man, I wish I, wish I would have been picked earlier, you know, when, when we could have had a kid. Maybe I, maybe I would have got God's favor, you know, being able to go into his presence. Maybe that chance was there. Maybe he was thinking about it a little at least. That, man, I, I, I could have prayed that. But he goes in, and then, verse 11, it says, And then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing on the right side of the altar of incense. So you're there, you're praying. And suddenly, there's an angel there. Wow, right? People die for sin. Is this the guy taking my head off? Or is this the guy there? Or is this something secret? Nobody told me about that you've got to keep it a secret, that an angel shows up. Nobody told me an angel shows up, you know? And Luke is like, okay, so an angel showed up. What side? The right side of the altar. Okay, we can make sure we got it on the right side. You're right or his right. I didn't figure that out in the Greek. But no, he's on the right side of the altar. <laughs> From God's point of view, it's his. I don't know. But he's just hanging out there, you know, you're sitting there praying, you look up and, wow, there's an angel, you know. 
And when Zachariah saw him, he was troubled and fearful, and fear fell upon him. I mean, boom, I mean, that's scary. You know, you're praying, everything's quiet, they're and then suddenly there's an angel in the room with you. Yeah, that's, you know, 80-year-old man. I don't know if that's the best thing to do, but God can sustain him, keep his heart going. So, boom, there's an angel there, you know. And so verse 13, it says, But the angel of the Lord said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. Man, the first word is in 400 years. You're sitting there. I mean, 400 years is a long time. I mean, we haven't even been around as a nation. I mean, can you imagine back 400 years? 1600. I mean, they're barely hitting the continent. I mean, that's insane. Right? Nothing for 400 years. And the first things we hear, do not be afraid. And he goes, man, your prayers have been answered. Prayers? I was praying for that 40 years ago. Right? I just prayer's been answered. You're a little late. Um, Maybe I should have been in here earlier. I mean, he had given up on this, you know? Forty years ago. Look with me, verse 14. And you have, and you will have joy and gladness. And many will rejoice at this birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall not drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. Now, it's kind of these things laid out remind you of like that Nazarite vow, you know? He's going to be set apart, filled from his mother's womb, you know? And, and what a beautiful thing when you think about that. I mean, if you're going to raise a child, wouldn't you want him full of the Holy Spirit from day one, like before he's even born? You know what I mean? What an awesome thing. And even then, though, as you look at your kids, so many times we can discount our kids and the level of relationship they can have with God. Or, or them to even be full of the Holy Spirit and being used. I mean, I, I look at this and, and don't discount them. There was a, a fellowship I was going to, and the man, uh, one of the men in the school of ministry came up and shared. pastor goes, you know, out of this huge church, he goes, there's one evangelist here nobody knows about who's most effective. He, she, and, and when I got to know this, this kid, this child, she put me to shame. I, I realized I'm not sharing the gospel. I'm not, you know, there. There was a, a young girl at the age of 10 that started going to uh, um, Calvary's Kids Club, got saved with a friend. It's totally stoked. God's real. This is awesome. Everybody needs to know. Started inviting more friends, having her mom and dad driving them, filling up their car. And as he was talking to somebody else and finding out how much influence this child had in four years, he goes, I realize there's hundreds of people in the fellowship that are that came because she invited their kids and their kids, and then they came to church and got saved, including her parents. And she still was organizing rides. She had four cars filled and kids from school at 10. You know, it's like, wow, it's amazing, right? And he goes, and he goes, amazing and sad because, you know, I bet you couldn't find, you know, anybody, even the fellowship that invited anybody to church, nonetheless, you know, nonetheless, you know, four or five, I mean, how many in a year? And here this girl is just full of the Holy Spirit being used amazingly. So do not discount what God can do in a child, and in this child, even before it's born. And obviously an, uh, an amazing plan God had in this. Verse 16, And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him, God, 
in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient of the uh, the and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Wow, what a promise. You're not just having a kid. You're having a Baptist. <laughs> you kind of think about that, right? Isn't that kind of funny? You got the first Baptist born to Jewish parents. Okay. but uh, So anyways, but what an amazing thing. I mean, I, okay, I'm having a kid. That's awesome. But he's going to be the pre-runner of Christ. So kind of answering the prayer they'd be praying for the Messiah. Here, the Messiah's coming. He's going to be your kid. I don't know how you respond to that, you know, and uh, and, you know, and being a Jewish priest, there, there is the prophecy, the last thing in Malachi. The last verse is here. Let's, let's look at it. It's Malachi 4, 5, and 6 here. It says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great day and dreadful day of the Lord. He will return. And the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Least I will come and strike the earth and curse them. So he comes in that power. There's going to be two comings. Elisha is coming back. This prophecy is going to be fulfilled a second time because we know of the two comings of Christ. But, wow, that statement there, hearts are going to be turned to the Father. You think Zachariah's mind would be, like, totally blown at this point, right? Like, wow, this is going to be insane. I'm going to have this child. And it's amazing. Here you even see God's heart. It says God's the hearts of the disobedient. God's coming after those ones who are lost. He loves those who are lost. He's, gonna, he's coming to change those hearts. Before he comes and the judgment's coming, the second coming of Christ, he has come that the lost will be found, that they will, will be able to come to him. You know, John 10.10 uh, 10 talks about, I have come to give them life and give you life to the full. You know? And so what an amazing thing. Here, 400 years of silence, and he's like, hey, I'm bringing this child, and he's coming, and he's coming for the lost. He's, this nation's gone, and he's coming for him, And he's come, and he's here, and he's still, that same mission is still here. The whole point, this is where it began, the New Testament. You talk about a scary time. I've never been in a world where Jesus hadn't come. Nonetheless, corrupt government, yeah, but not a Herod. You know, not, a, not where I would go to fellowship or worship to be used and, and corrupted. You know, and so what a scary time, and then this comes out. Man, I'm here. There, there, there's joy. This is mind-blowing, right? And then look at verse 18. See if you can see the two mistakes Zechariah makes here. And Zechariah being totally, you know, blameless before God, spiritual man, but still a man, obviously, answers and says, And Zechariah said to the angel, How should I know this? For I'm an old man, and my wife's ancient in years. So he challenges the angel, and he challenges the angel with what? I'm like 65, my wife's 80. That's, what, that's the term he uses there. He calls himself an old man. This is the second mistake. First mistake with questioning the angel. Second mistake is, hey, I'm an old man, but my wife is ancient. I suggest men in here, even if your wife's older, do not refer to your wife as ancient or older than you. You know, honey, maybe we can get the senior discount. You should go up the counter. No, you know. Be careful with those things. I have had it the other way. So, I, I mean, I have, man, gosh, he- Heidi's always looked younger, and, or I've looked too old, one of the two. 
I mean, she, we were having our, our last Anthony, sitting there's 15, and we we're down visiting her parents, and we go into the hospital. And we're in the hospital and, and going in because she's having contractions. And as we go to the room, the nurse turns to me and goes, excuse me, sir, I don't think your daughter wants you in the room with her. This is our third kid. I mean, come on, you know, like, ouch. So kind of explain that, but it's did her well. When a salesman comes to the door, she, my wife's an honest woman. Salesman comes to the door, excuse me, ma'am. Oh, excuse me, is your mother home? Nope, she doesn't. She lives in another house, another town. <laughs> you know, sorry. We'll sell your Kirby somewhere else. No. <laughs> but anyway, so it's interesting. But man, what a question, this mind-blowing thing, this prophecy. And how shall I know this? You know, and, and, and the angel responds in verse 19. He says, and the angel answered him and said to him, I'm Gabriel. I sit in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and bring you glad tidings. You know, I could see, like later you will see Mary and Gabriel, right? He's like, you know, Gabriel's like the birth announcement angel, you know? And, and, and so you'll see Mary, but at least, where did Mary see this angel? At night out in Nazareth. Okay? And she asks a question, how can this be? But she's more asking process. I don't know how this is possible. He's, he's asking, like, I don't believe this. I don't, this ain't possible. She's process. He's like, possible, right? And, and I give her more grace because it's not in the temple of God. If you see an angel in the temple of God where God drops priests dead for sinning, I think he's not a counterfeit. I mean, I think there's a pretty good, like, oh, you know, let me see your credentials. You know, no, you're in the presence of God, the angel there. This should be pretty good, like, you know, you should be, you know. And, Gabriel, you know, I think the most surprised person there is Gabriel. Like, I just shared with you the Messiah's coming. You're going to have this kid. He's, he, he's not even going to just be this man. Earlier on it says he's going he's gonna to be joy to you. It's going to be a blessing. You know, like, yeah, well, how, I mean, 80, you know, I guess when you're 80, you can be cranky like that, right? That's kind of where you, oh, yeah, you know, I'm old, my wife's ancient, you know, and. So, but it's just, it's amazing. You know, Game Builder answering and goes, okay, you know, how can this be? You know, you want a sign? Okay, verse 29, or 20 goes, Behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place, because you did not believe the words which were fulfilled in their own time. But, oh, too late, <laughs> you're mute. <laughs> no arguing, right? Uh, like there. So the angel goes, okay. You know, I'm going to zip your lip and throw away the key, at least for a couple months. You know, I'm going to put you in a timeout, Zechariah, here. And so verse 21, and then you know, it says, And the people waited for Zacharias, and they marveled that he lingered so long in the temple. You kind of think about this, so he's lingering, taking time. This isn't the normal pattern. We go about our day, we pray, and we're still here. You know, and they're, they're marveling. Now, if I went an hour long, you guys wouldn't be marveling, I don't think. But... They're marveled. And maybe they're more marveled that he came out walking. Like he's been in there a while. Oh no. Then I have to send somebody in after him. God, did you know what's that? Was he? Did you know anything about him? Did he have any sin? Do you, is there anything you can think about about this guy? Why is he not? You know, maybe God dropped him dead. Oh no, what are we going to do? It'd be a long day. So then he comes out and they're marveled. Right? And uh, let's go on. Verse 22, and it says, But when he came out, he couldn't speak to them. And they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned to them and remained speechless. So he comes out of the temple. There's no prayer. There's no nothing, but he's doing charades. He's like, you know, this and this. And they're going, okay, 
this is this is exciting and something went happened right we don't know exactly what happened but what do you do i mean this is a big deal something happened god's been quiet for 400 years guy come out he's not speaking it's all an angel you know and as soon as his days of service, so there would be a time that they're serving at the temple, as soon as his days of service were completed, he departed there for his own house. Now, maybe his wife got some news back, something happened, I'm sure some news spread, but it's not like social media, right? It's not like, you know, and he wasn't going to give her a call and talk to her even at that point. Something happened to your husband. So imagine one the, the, the conversation when he got home. You know, it's like, this is a, you know, my husband got home, he's not speaking, he's drawing stick pregnant stick figures and pointing at me. He had a stroke. I'm sure he had a stroke. It's not an angel. He had a stroke. He can't speak. You know? My husband's lost it. And it says after that, verse 24 says, no, after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and she hid it for five months. So he had a stroke and now I'm growing a belly. I mean, it's not like, how do you know that happened? I, I, I missed my period 40 years ago. I mean, <laughs> It's like, hey, you know, you'd be cautious, right? It's been your reproof and everything else. How, how would you respond to that if some of you're pregnant, you're, you're thinking, well, I have a growth or this or that. I mean, you know, I've, I've had a growth, but it doesn't move or nothing. I'm sure at some point she felt the kick. Do you tell anybody? Well, I can feel it. Let's wait until somebody else can feel that baby kick because, you know, I've already taken all this heat and all these things. People have judged me. People have put me down and all this. I'm going to be sure I'm sure you know and in verse 25 and it says thus the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked upon me he has taken away my reproach among the people God remembers his oath God remembers your prayers God hears your prayers you know his his timing isn't always what we want and it makes me think as we look at this as we look at the scripture as we look at the coming Messiah, as the nation sat, how many people thought, this is done, God's been quiet, it's over, it's past the Messiah coming? Uh, that's what they used to say, I'm not too sure about that. You know, in the nations, we're, we're, we're not even a nation anymore, we got this wicked man running us, I don't see how that's possible, I don't see how that promise of God's going to come through, you know? Elizabeth? That's, that time has passed. That time has passed. We've, we prayed for those things, but that time has passed. You know, and, and it makes me wonder, what am I praying about presently? Or, or those things have I given up on praying for? You know, or, well, I'm getting older. Well, I didn't do that. I could have done that maybe when I'm younger, but, you know, these things have happened. I was talking about uh, working on roofs, tied in air conditioner units, and um, start doing our little EE sharing thing with a guy asking, oh, so if you stood before God with this and this, and he goes, well, I accepted Christ four years ago. I got baptized and talking with him, and he's got a scar on his head where a bullet went through his head at one time, just rough life. And I was talking, and I'm studying these things, and he's sharing about, man, you know, four years ago, I wish it would have been sooner. I got one who's 15, but I have older kids, and they don't, they don't know anything good from me. They don't know of anything good for me. Yeah, I took care of them. They're alive. They have jobs. You know, they're not on the streets. But they don't have any real truth. They're missing it. And I, I just wish. And it's like, no, don't stop praying. You're not done. You're still their parent. That time hasn't passed, you know. And we can look at our past and go, wow, I wasted so much time. 
No, God ain't done with you. You know, Scripture says, ask, ask anything of God. Ask anything according to his will, right? John 1, 5 says that, I think. Here, let's turn there. John 1, chapter 5, uh, verse 14. John chapter 1, verse 14. Yeah. So, John, 1 John, chapter 5, verse 14. See? i got to do that right. Let's order it so you can get there. And now, if this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we, knowing that he has heard us, whatever we ask, we know that we have petitions that we have asked of him. We'll have the petitions of what we asked of him. If we're praying according to God's will, he hears us. And his time frame isn't our time, but he hears us. He's going to answer those things. You know, and there's, there's many things you pray for. You know, you look at the important things, your family, your wife, your kids. And, and in time, it's beautiful to see how God continues to work, how God continues to love on them. And, and don't stop praying for those things. That time has not passed. You know, you might sit here and go, okay, I've gotten to this point in life. I don't know if God can use me anymore. I don't know if I can serve him in the same way. You know, we, we stop praying big, you know. And I encourage you, we, we looked at the book um, that, that was part of planning the church originally, and then Pat uh, asked us to read again about a couple months ago, Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire. And the man's heart, the Boston Tabernacle, and all the awesome work God did there was, he wanted God change me. I, I want to pray good. Change me, whatever it takes, change me. Make me holy, make me pure, make me righteous, make me usable. And then use me, or take me home. If you don't need me home, then I'd rather be in your presence. Either I'm going to walk here in your presence seeing the amazing things you're going to do, or I'm going to go home. I want out of here. You know, um, the Bible says God's thoughts toward us are good for a future. He has an amazing plan for our lives. And you can sit here and go, you can look at this example of God's faithfulness. And your response, hopefully your response is, yoo-hoo, when God does something. Or you can argue with him, you know. And um, I know some of your wives don't pray that your husband argues and he goes mute. You know, don't, don't be praying for your husband that way. Pray he just goes, yes, Lord, right away. Doesn't have to wait around to see the blessing and get a share about it, you know. But when you, when you look at it, it's scripture. What if you don't? What will happen? Probably nothing. You can continue on in your lives. Nothing will happen. But I don't want to just continue on. As, a, as in that book, the pastor goes, he is over, pastor over a church and goes, man, anybody can fill this pulpit. Anybody can fill this thing. God, I don't, I don't need to be taking up space and taking up air. Get me out of here or do something. And I'm praying desperately for God to do something. As we're going to get together a family and seek God and see what his Holy Spirit's doing. What does God want to do in your lives? It's amazing. God's moving. Sometimes hard, Pat moving on and stuff, but also God's moving. He's wanting to do stuff. And as we pray and you just see God's heart for stuff, I'm excited. Terrified at one aspect of, okay, God, you picked me to do this, and you called me to do this, and I trust your calling, and I'm going to obey, even if it's two months from now instead of a year and a half from now. But I'm going to do it. I'm going to do what? I'm going to obey you today. And then tomorrow I'm going to wake up and guess what? I'm going to obey him. That's all i got to do. Guess what you guys need to do in here? Obey him each day. I've had some awesome brothers in this fellowship here come up and said, 
Tim, whatever you need, I'm, I got your back. We're here for you. Whatever you want me to do, ministry, just let me know. Cool. Pray, seek God, and do whatever he tells you, even if that means leave. <laughs> whatever it is, wherever God's called you, it's there. And what I love about this fellowship, when we're considering praying that, okay, we need to move on. God's calling us to things where th this is what a pastor should do. This is a heart. These visions aren't for how I'm serving here, and, and I need to tell Pat, and, and I, I, these things are leading, and I don't know why he's telling me I'm not even there, and you know, all this confusion in that sense, but sitting down and going, but I don't want to, man, the people here are awesome. This body's amazing. You know, see how God's gifted each one of you and put together this amazing body of Christ, uniquely made for his work. I am so excited to see what God's going to do and work in our lives. And yeah, there's going to be sparks. There's I'm going to upset some of you. You guys are going to upset some of me, if possible. I mean, don't worry. Heidi's got you covered. Just tell her. She can tell me. She's good at it. No. But, you know, it's, it's one of those things. We're going to grow. But, you know, whatever it takes to be holy, right? I don't want to be struggling with the same things or, or not. as right. God, make me more holy. Make me more usable. I don't want to be benched. I want to see you move. I want to see you move greatly. And who cares if anybody else knows? Nobody else recognized Zachariah and Elizabeth. They were off the grid, but they were holy and God used them. I care less who knows us in town or anything else. As long as people are here, we're safe. Those that are hurting are getting saved. We're growing. What an awesome thing to be part of. So we can either pray and trust. There, there isn't anybody. Well, I'm too old. I'm, you know, there. You know, I... <laughs> I usually don't like to talk to people about a certain purpose and from the pulpit, only unless it's picking on me or my wife or kids. But Pat Carter, what an example. He's over there serving God, and he's gonna, he, this guy's going to run. And when he goes home, he's going to be sliding into heaven. He's just got such a heart. Just, he ain't going to stop him. You know? I just love that heart. He's going to serve God, and that's it. You know, what an amazing thing. What an encouragement. Of course, he's going to argue with me about this later. I'm sure he doesn't see himself as that way at all. But I see his heart, man. It's just going, going, going. And I love it. So, I'm, yeah, I'm totally it's just blown away at how awesome to get to even just come here and go through the Word of God and be part of this family. You know, uh, hanging out, getting things in order, and just hanging out with some of you guys this week working on things. What a, what a joy it is. And so, let's pray big. Let's Ask God, man, change me, change the world around me. God, we want to see our family members who are lost just see the love of Christ in us and just be blown away. We have prodigals. You know, my brother passed away um, a couple weeks ago, trying to make it back from Texas here, you know. Uh, rough situation. Not, uh, no clear, you know, one-way walking or not walking or stuff. It's great to hear, you know, some people that, oh, I had a talk with your brother two weeks ago about these things because I got saved. And those things are awesome. God's always working. He loves them way more than I could ever. Man, I wish I could have got back here and just shared with him more. You know, he was up here for a time, and it was sweet sharing with him. And yeah, he's my brother. I loved him. But God loved him more. God loves the people out there more. You know, after my older brother passed away and it was one thing God showed me is, man, who is my brother? Who is my sister? God loves them. And when God starts to give you heart for those people that are lost and are hurting, you realize, man, God loves them just as much. I'm not, you know, come on. What am I going to trade to be a part of what God's doing? Some of you guys know of Zach and Nina. Um, man, Zach was in our house, I think, six times. 
you know, struggling with meth, him and his wife both with the kids, not having their kids, kid and then having another kid and, and back and forth and just, man, grieving, seeing them leave when people left our house and, and just choosing to go down that path of destruction. so hard to watch. But knowing God's going to be faithful. Zach sat in my truck, prayed to accept Christ. Probably second day we're at his house. And there was a heart change. There was action change. It was real. He even argued with me later, man, I wish I didn't make that decision. I mean, it was like the matrix. I took the wrong pill and there's no going back. I can't, I'm high and I'm telling people we should be reading our Bibles. This is wrong. I can't even enjoy getting high anymore. I know the truth and I can't get rid of the fact I know the truth. And he tried. Last time he came back, we thought he was going to die. He mentally, I was surprised. Praying, God, heal this guy's mind. He, he is so damaged and thin. I mean, he came back, he was 68 pounds. He was a skeleton, and you just go, man, he tried. You know, and God got through to him. Maybe one day he'll come and share that funny story how God got through to him um, in a box in L.A. in a stream bed. But um, they came up and visited two weeks ago. They had family thing going, so they didn't come by Sunday. They're together. He's taking care of his wife and his kids, working, saving money. Um, little Malcolm is reciting verses from Jumpstart 3, all excited, you know. They got uh, knowing the scripture, you know, just amazing. They're serving in um, in uh, Simi Valley in a four-square church, the same church Chuck was grew up in. So he's stoked about that, you know. And they're they're serving very conservative church with those two, which is fun, you know. So, but God's totally blessing and working in their life. God is faithful, you know. And and we watched him leave six times, you know. Not just had to watch him leave many times, kicked him out six times. You know, that's hard to do. God, you're going to be faithful in this guy. I'm going to boot him so I can maybe get his fill of it, you know? And so that's where God's faithful and God loves him. And that's the amazing thing. You sit back and you maybe have somebody in your family struggling, somebody you love struggling. Guess what? Keep praying. God's faithful. God loves him way more than you could ever. So let's close in prayer. Dear God, we thank you so much just for, man, just speaking to us, just coming. And that we don't have to go to a temple to sit in your presence. That we can just come and sit before you right now in your presence. We don't have to wait for a lottery or anything lucky just to come and sit at your feet, be in your prayer, and and have our prayers answered, God. Guide us on how to pray even. Uh, We we so much times don't even know ourselves well enough to know how to pray. We just pray, God, that you would put your words in our mouth. Your desire for each and every one of us in this fellowship as a whole, God, we just pray you just blow us away. We don't know what to pray for. So we want your will. We want your Holy Spirit. We want everything you have for us, God. We pray you just continue to show us those things that hinder us, that take us away from your blessing, that struggle us, that would cause us to be unsafe, God. Help us to love one each other, be long-suffering with one each other like you are long-suffering with us. In Jesus' name, amen.